Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 37. It is the second week in March of 2020. And I, it is really great to say that. I love March. To me, it's my favorite month. I will tell you, this week is a little rough. Uh, we started with a time change that we don't uh, particularly care for because I lost an hour of sleep. Um, you know, we got the full moon this week. We end on Friday the 13th. And, oh, by the way, please wash your hands every waking minute. Um, so interesting week for us uh, that way. But we've got great stuff for you today here at the Fast Brackets podcast. And, um, you know, we've had some increased listenership. So I think I need to do a little bit of recap here. So some of you got in early and became regular listeners right away. You got it. You understood exactly what myself and the great producer Rob are getting down with here. But some of you are new. Some of you are new listeners. Uh, the PRI live show was a great hit. You uh, got maybe just uh, heard about the show through that and so we've got some new listeners so let me get the newbies up to speed today so a uh, couple things you need to know first of all listen to three episodes this uh, show has a little bit different rhythm it has a different vibe beat whatever you want to call it but it all happens faster here on the fast brackets podcast so listen to at least three episodes it will all make sense you'll all, you'll be on board secondly roadsters are on my bad list do not get me started i'm in a pretty good mood today uh, so i don't even want to go down that road right now but uh for those of you that are already in no that is not the way i get down and then is not the way to get on my good side if you want to get on my good side we can talk top gun it is the best movie of all time it has taught us everything we need to know about bracket racing um, so if you want to get on my good side, give me the Top Gun quotes, all of them at any time. Um, we also will always give Ric Flair any run he wants. Um, we are all about being the best here in Fast Brackets Nation, so nobody represents greatness better than the Natch. Woo! So you can talk Ric Flair at any time, and Gloria will always be played at the end of each show. Uh, when we get the wind light, uh, go to episode number nine if you need the deets behind that. And lastly, some people, some of our interviews, some of our guests get podcast certified. That is essentially like getting your SFI cert. It allows you to come on at any time to discuss whatever. Steve Kasner used it. He wanted to talk about 32 versus 48 car fields got right on because he is podcast certified and you do not get certified just for showing up it has to be a great effort a fantastic performance telling a great story or breaking some news like the great danny nelson did um rick flair isn't settling and neither are we uh, in fast brackets nation so that's for the newbies welcome aboard uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, all right, we've got a couple of great guests this week. First of all, we have Jeff Taylor. Uh, he comes back, and he is a top sportsman and top dragster killer. We also have Kimbra Fusting. Um, she is a super comp heavy hitter. I cannot wait to have them on, uh, so let's get to it. Uh, do whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on the old heap, but whatever it is, metaphorically speaking, 
Get your helmet on. Get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put it in the water box. And let's talk safety for a minute. Um, Everybody will start doing a bunch of traveling this season, and it's getting time to take that rig across state lines to get to the next track. But beware. Um, this is this is where you get to the public safety announcement from uh, from your host. Beware. There are fools out there everywhere driving in the left lane for no apparent reason. Um, you have to account for these people just hanging out in the left lane instead of using it as a passing lane like it is designed for. I've been doing a lot of traveling lately, and the disease of not knowing what lane you should drive in is spreading. It used to be contained in Minnesota, uh, but I've seen it spreading to every other state now also, and it's making me crazy. Um, The left lane, people, is for passing. Then you need to get back into the right lane, and then you can cruise at any speed you want. You You can go 10 miles below the speed limit. You can go five miles above the speed limit. No one cares. That is your right as an American to drive whatever speed limit you want in the right-hand lane. Um, You drive at your comfort level over there. But the left lane is not to be trifled with. And I've seen a lot of trifling out there. Uh, People get out there and they hang out in the left lane. I don't know if they want to get a closer view of the cars coming the other direction or if they just want to check out the scenery over there. But people are getting in the left-hand lane, hanging out, not passing, and then I have to maneuver over to the right-hand lane and hope they don't freak out and pull in the right-hand lane when they see something in their rearview mirror. It is driving me crazy. Um, I've decided this, uh, that driver's ed should literally be straight eight straight hours of the professor just screaming at kids saying, get the heck out of the left-hand lane. That's all it should be. If you are a driver's ed instructor, or if you know someone who is, the correct ratio of discussing what the left lane is to be used for compared to the right is every day. You should be saying this every single day. You should walk in and go, hey, kids, how's it going? What's the left lane for? And if they do not all scream in unison saying, It's for passing, and then we get the heck back into the right-hand lane. You've not done your job. And, you know, I get it. I mean, uh, you know, driver's ed, no disrespect for those people that are doing that, but there are really two rules of driving, right? The first one is don't run into any other thing. That's it. That's, That's your rule as a driver. Do not run into anything. And the second rule is get out of the left lane unless you are passing someone the rest of the rules you should be able to pick up pretty quickly uh you want to ride along with somebody you can get those pretty quick but the main job you have as a driver's ed teacher is to keep the lollygaggers out of the left-hand lane and i don't think we're doing a very good job of this um because i drive these roads and i see it all the time and it is making me crazy um and you know, I, and it's not the driver's ed teacher's fault. I'm not. I'm putting that. But it's it's the government fault. I mean, literally, the government can't do anything efficiently. 
which is why I laugh anytime someone tells me the government should be in charge of literally anything. They can't teach people how to drive on a highway where there are typically only two lanes. It's not that difficult of a concept, um, but they can't figure it out. Uh, Folks, that is why I'm here. I'm here to solve the problem. Um, But truthfully, it may be too late. The contamination is out there, at least for this season. So be careful out there when you're traveling on the roads, you're getting down the highways to try to get to the track because there are people hanging out in the left lane with absolutely no intention of passing anyone and getting over back into the right lane again. Please, please, please be careful. Good luck out there and be safe. All right, let's put it in the beams presented by thisisbracketracing.com. And our next guest, he was on episode number 27. So if you have not listened to episode number 27, stop right now, go to that, listen to that, and then come back. Um, because it's great stuff. It gives you some background. Um, and at the time, my man had just finished the season where he finished second in top dragster NHRA Division One. And um, he was he was fantastic. But uh, this guy coming on right now is probably the only guy who is not afraid of the coronavirus. I mean, he's running around, hugging everyone, checking everyone's breath. He's putting his hands on his face and his mouth. He does not care. He's the baddest man on the planet coming off a double up in top dragster and top sportsman in the Division 7 event, Tucson. Welcome back to the show, Jeff Taylor. Hey, Rex. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, Jeff, you came off just a um, a great win, but when we last spoke, you had come up just shy and you were fuming. In fact, you said you were going to drive pissed off this year. Um, is that how you drove last weekend? Uh, yeah, you know, I started the season out in uh, Pomona and Phoenix. I, I didn't do too hot. I don't know what, what, was, what was going on, if I just didn't have my head on right or, or what, but... Um... Yeah, I, I came into to Tucson, and me and my dad were talking. We're like, we got to make a move here. If we, if we don't make a move, then we can pretty much kiss this whole championship thing goodbye. And, uh, you know, I actually I wasn't going to run top sportsman because there wasn't a whole lot of cars, and I was, I was kind of concerned about points. And uh, I was just going to let my dad drive it. But, um, you know, I said, you know, screw it. What the heck? I'll get a grade point, and hopefully uh, – if I, if I turn it into a win, it'll be it'll be worth it, and uh, I was fortunate enough to do so. Right. Well, and let's uh, before we really dig into um, that that weekend, um, you know, we talked about uh, at the end of last year. Did you make any changes to your car uh, cars at all? I know you had thought about uh, maybe uh, doing something different with the top sportsman motor. Is that right? Yeah, we. Uh, I had uh, Brett Nesbitt build me a, a five ninety eight. Just conventional. I had a five ninety eight. Um, took the took the old 582 out, put that in there, and it's been running running like a clock, man. It's just been uh, it's been unreal since I put it in there. Um, other than that, the dragster the dragster stayed the same. Um, I, that thing was so good, I, I didn't even want to touch it. So, uh, so the only only thing we did this year was um, was put the new motor in the cobalt. Gotcha. So you added some cubic inches and uh, sprayed a little bit, and off you go. Yep. Yep, he uh, it made great power for being what it is, and heck, I make uh, about just as much power as I do on motor than I did spraying the old motor. Oh wow! 
so you probably don't uh, you probably don't put a lot of nitrous in the system. Then is that right? No, not only when I need to. You know, I mean, it's as long as I can qualify, it's a bracket race from there, and that's that's all that. As long as you as long as you get in the show, and it doesn't matter from there. That's right. Yeah, no doubt. So you're coming off um, the uh, Arizona race. And so you and you and your dad kind of sit down and uh, have a heart to heart. How'd that go? Uh, basically, he just told me I need to stop sucking and go out there and and do what I do and you know trust the cars, trust myself, and and go out there and take care of business. And that that's what you did. So you guys loaded up. Uh, Tucson's not that far away from your at. I mean, typically you've got a much longer haul to the track than what you did uh, last weekend. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's only about uh, about two hours from from the shop to to Tucson, so it's not a bad commute. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely a lot better than uh, driving from here to Pennsylvania. That's for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's the quickest uh, commute you've got on the schedule, right? Two hours instead yeah, other, of twenty. Yeah, other other than Phoenix, other than Phoenix, that's the that's the closest. Yeah, gotcha. So, um, talk to us about uh, loading up and and unloading at uh, at the track, and kind of what your mindset was going in. So they they had the uh, the national open um, on Thursday and Friday, which which I actually in, enjoyed. You know, get you some hits at the tree and, and stuff like that. But what I did was I actually drove my dad's. Uh, blower car we had just we just got that done and we're trying to work the bugs out um went out first pass we turned it way down from from phoenix and um in tucson it's the air is horrendous you know you're you're five thousand feet elevation every day and so we turned it down and went out and went a 443 to the eighth so i'm like okay that's that's good you know and then the next pass it goes out and went to 453 i'm like odd and then that's the next change, half yeah. ago, i go, go to what's that that's a big change yeah 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 i mean it just it just felt like it was laying over and and all kinds of stuff and then i go out again for the third pass and it's popping and banging and doing all kinds of stupid stuff so i i couldn't figure it out so my dad came in on um thursday night so we're going through everything trying to you know dot the t or dot the i's and cross the t's and make sure everything's in order and change the ignition box the coil everything we can change we changed and um he goes out for the divisional and it's doing the same thing mm. and so i actually I, I was running the yellow car and i get the top end and i'm i'm waiting to hear you know what it does and everything like that well i get there and and he, he comes around the corner and he tells me he's still doing it, still doing it. And the only thing we hadn't, hadn't looked at was the distributor. I mean, we changed the cap and rotor and all that stuff. But as I'm driving back in the, the yellow car and going back to the trailer, I'm like, that distributor has got to be out of phase somehow. And, uh, I tell him and, and sure enough, it, it was, I don't know how it got out of phase or, or what, but that's what it was. And, um, he went out there and he actually, he didn't get a, uh, a qualifying pass. I think he qualified like a, a 1090 or some stuff. He could have ran Super Street, but he, um, we, we were sitting there like, what do you think we should dial? And I'm like, well, I ran a 443 the other day. So, you know, that equates to, you know, 690 something. Sure. 
I'm like, I'm like, just put a 690 on it, call it good. Well, he's uh, he was 20 on the tree, take nine thou, and to go 689, and the other guy was like six, 18 total or something like that, something good. But once once we got it figured out, you know, he was he was driving good. Unfortunately, he uh, didn't get very many hits at it, but um, but it's good we got it figured out. You know. Yeah. Um, but on your side of the ladder, then um, then things got rolling pretty quick, huh? Yeah, I had uh, I had Dan Lafferty first round in the dragster, and, and most of the West Coasters know that Dan Lafferty is a he's a bad cat. You know, he's he's a, he's well accomplished. So I told my dad, I'm like, man, that's a tough draw. And he and my dad told me, he goes, well, Dan has a tough draw too, and that kind of gave me the the confidence I needed. I just to to go out there and kind of had a little game plan of what I what I wanted to do on top end and. And it worked out. I was a uh, eleven dead five. He was uh, he was twenty eight and uh, a couple under. So I was tw- uh, eleven dead five, taking five foul. So it worked out pretty good. And then yeah. I had my uh, my good buddy uh, Cody Weber second round, and we get to the staging lanes and we're like, man, we suck at qualifying. <laughs> yeah, we, we plan on you know if we're gonna see each other, that's it'd be late, you know, final, semifinal, right. something like that. But um, he, uh, he he missed the tree a little bit against me, which is uncharacteristic of him, and uh, I came on the, the right side of it. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. And so now you're um, you've got both cars. You got to try to prep and get up to the lanes and kind of hustle back and forth. Uh, um, does that help that uh, your dad did uh, there to help the the cause then, or how does all that work oh, yeah. operationally? Absolutely. Absolutely. He, uh, he did a great job helping me out. You know, it, uh, makes all a lot, a lot easier. Um, cause I really don't have to worry about anything. I mean, the hardest part is taking the front end off of the, the cobalt and putting, putting fuel in it. I mean, that's the, that's the hardest part. I got my, my nitrous bottles ready, you know, and, um, I just take them out of the heater when I'm ready, put them in a the car and just drive up, drive back. You know, it's, uh, I like to keep things pretty simple. I mean, both cars are, are set up pretty, uh, pretty similar you know i don't have to do a whole lot of man just try, try to keep everything the same between the two cars and yeah i know it sounds hard doing it in a between a door car and a dragster but i have you know buttons set up the same and and, and everything else so i kind of know where where everything's at okay yeah so you've done that purposefully to try to try to make it um as comfortable for you as as you can, like the so everything's the same. The routine is right. You're not having to change things, correct? Exactly. That's a big deal, I think. I mean, I know there are some guys out there that are really skilled drivers, and it doesn't matter what they get in, and you know if, where the buttons at, or you know if it's on the wherever they they can just go do it. Um, but I'm really impressed with those guys because I, I'm like you. I, I need. need the more familiarity, the better. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't do what those guys do. You know, I've, uh, I've tried it before, and you know, my one car, I got my bump up, bump down, all that stuff. And I think the first time I started driving the yellow car, well, the bump down was in a different spot than my, my other bump down button. So I let go, and I think I'm bumping down. Well, in all reality, I'm hitting the burnout button, which I never use. You know, I'm just sitting there, I'm just sitting there bumping for no reason. And uh, came up on the wrong side of that one, but uh, 
you know, after that, I was like, I'm making everything the same, just so there's no confusion. Yeah, no, I think that's smart. So, uh, yeah, you, you've got uh, and at this point, then you're going rounds a little bit. Um, talk to us on, on the top dragster side. Which which round did you win that kind of made you feel like, hey, I I got a shot at uh, getting to the finals in this one, and then you know go from there. Well, it was um, I want to say it was fourth round of of uh, top dragster. I had um, my buddy Grant Dury. And I heard my dad whisper to the NHRA guy in, in the lanes. He goes, well, if he wins this, he has a bye. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, don't tell me that. <laughs> right. I'm like, great. So now I'm going to go out there and screw it up because I'm thinking, you know, this is a two-for-one. And yeah, and then just just completely crap in bed and look like an idiot. But um, I was 14. Um, I think it was my worst light of the day in that. Um, I get down there. I don't see him, so I, I you know, rip the throttle a couple, two or three times, and end up taking three thousand, be dead too, which you know, complete luck. But uh, my wind light comes on. I'm like, all right, cool, I'm in the final, and right. I already, I already knew I had the body of the final in the top sportsman car. So I'm like, all right, might have, might have a shot at this thing. Yeah, and that's uh. So you you knew then after that that you had buys to the final in both, in both uh, classes, right? Yeah. Man, that's uh that's a good feeling at that point. Um, thinking, all right, I'm I'm going to the final. So did uh, where what's your mind do at that point when you've got when you know you like, hey, I'm going to race in the final, um, in both classes, in, in you know, arguably the two toughest sportsman classes, uh, the fastest for sure. You know, I, I kind of just try to keep my mindset the same. You know, I've, I've been in big, big uh, money finals and, and stuff like that. And that, you know, if you, if you just keep everything the same, try not to get in your own head, then, then you're, you're just you're setting yourself up for uh, for success. You know, because I've been there's been times where I have gotten into my own head and I just go out there and, and look like a complete idiot. Like I've never even been in a race car before. So I try to keep everything the same, you know, not try to worry about, you know, what's coming up next. I mean, I know it is the final, but if I just keep a clear head, then uh, it's just, it'll all come to me, you know. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, I had a person tell me who's a lot smarter than I am the other day said uh, the the pebble in your shoe will hurt you much more than the boulders in your path. And I thought that was, uh, you know, I don't know what ancient Chinese secret that was, but uh, I thought it was really good stuff in terms of, like you said, getting out of our own head a lot of times. And, uh, man, the the simpler we can make it, the better, right? And that's what you did. So you're in the final now with uh, both both cars. And um, did, did you have to – you know, give NHRA heads up or anything? Did they uh, give you a little extra time, or how did that all work? Yeah, so the guy in the lanes, he, uh, after first round, he goes, are you doubled? I said, yep. He goes, okay, I'll check back later. And I was like, hopefully it stays that way. <laughs> right. And, um, right. So, so every time I came back, he goes, you still still doubled? I said, yes, sir. And uh, he's like, all right, well, well, we'll wait for you. We'll give you the time you need. And, again, everything was so, I mean, wasn't a whole lot of maintenance I had to do other than put fuel in the car and charge charge batteries up some. So it was pretty easy. So I didn't make them wait too long. But uh, I actually came up in the uh, top sportsman car first for, for that final. And um, track was 
kind of seems to be going away a little bit. Um, you know, I, I was, um, I think I was eight, three, and seven in the previous rounds. So, uh, you know, I threw a couple in the box, you know, just to, just to be be on the safe side. And uh, I came up 22, and, and fortunately, uh, my opponent was red. Um, when the car left, it made a made a pretty hard move. So I saw the wind light on. I just got out of it. I wasn't even going to try to drive it. So I was, uh, it was a fairly easy uh, easy final there. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and just in time, right? Like take the reds when you can, and uh, and go yeah. go uh, go get the wally. Yeah. Exactly. And, and my dad was. He was pretty excited when I got back to the trailer. I'm like, don't, don't get too excited yet. We still got work to do. <laughs> right. So, so then you you get the the top dragster car, get in there, get up to the stage lane. And you're like, hey, I got a chance to double up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, was, I wasn't trying to think about that at all. You know, what I mean, I was like, you know, because uh, somebody was telling me, because I don't know if anybody's done it in top dragster, top sportsman. I'm like, well. Keep your mouth shut. To this. You know what I mean? I just wanted to keep things, you know. Right. Nothing like like just another round. You know what I mean? And um, I had uh, I had Dustin Lee, who's uh, who's got a pretty badass uh, like small block. And he goes seven thirties in the small block, and it's uh, it's, it's a pretty sweet setup. And um, yeah, I dialed. Uh, I think I dialed a. 53, 753, and like I said, the air in Tucson is just horrendous. So I was about a 53. I think he dialed a 39. And when we left, I just I knew I was good. And the first time I looked over at him, I'm like, yeah, it's uh, it's over for him. Yeah, you're in good shape, <laughs> and, right? Yeah, I just I started uh, kicking it a couple times, and yeah, I just knew I was on the good side. And, my light came on and I was finally able to celebrate, you know, and my brother called me and all my friends started calling me and it was a, it was a pretty, uh, pretty surreal thing. And, uh, then I finally saw my dad waiting in the winter circle, gave him a big old hug and, you know, Mo Trujillo, who also runs top dragster. He was there, he was there with me and, uh, he helped a bunch, him and his wife, Brenda. And I was, uh, it was a pretty cool day. You know, I never, I never thought about, I always, I always told my dad, I'm like, I'm gonna double up. I'm gonna double up. I've said it shoot, ten times now since I've gotten the cold ball. I'm, like, I'm gonna double up, and uh, never thought it would actually happen. You know, I was just, I was just uh, talking like a hard ass. But, uh, <laughs> got, uh, got a no. Yeah, you, yeah, you got it done, man. That's a, it's incredibly impressive. Uh, nice work on that. Um, so. So now you guys are loaded up and you're heading home. What's the what's the conversation like on the way home then? Because I'm well, we actually drove we actually drove separate. We drove uh, two separate separate rigs down there because I like I said I went down there on uh, on oh, Thursday. Okay, gotcha. And then he just brought the cobalt down on uh, well, Thursday night. So we stopped for the truck stop. You know, we went and got us some uh, some good old Burger King for dinner and uh, just towed home. You know, we we called each other on the phone a few times, and you know, I spent most of the time, you know, friends calling me and congratulating me and all that stuff. And then uh, we got back, got back to the shop at Sunday around uh, around midnight. And Dad told me, he "Goes, all right, go to bed. You got work to do in the morning." 
right. All righty. So that that changed your plans though a little bit because uh, now you've got a couple in the bag. So what what does the rest of the season look like? You know, it was it was always a plan to you know go after a national championship and in, in, in both classes. Um, so the, the the plan was to go to Vegas um, in April. The problem is that 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 is always a, a pretty stout field, and I'm worried about not qualifying. So I might skip that. I'm actually going to go to Galat and run PDRA do the because um, they have the elite top dragster top sportsman then they have the yep. slow guys which is a, a, a pretty cool setup so we'll probably go there you know run some pdra stuff maybe cash in a couple w's there and maybe go after a championship there too i like it uh i like it um that that is great stuff and nicely done out there and you know good luck with your your haul across the country and and how you do it, it's uh, it's pretty amazing the, the travel that you do and still compete at the highest level that you do. So uh, nicely done. And thanks for coming on for, uh, you know, just walking us through that, just what is um, really a historic uh, weekend for you, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's still, uh, still pretty surreal. You know, I just I want to get up, get out there and uh, and do it again. I know it's not not going to be easy, never is easy, you know, and, but to be able to go out there and, and double up hopefully next time we'll be at a national but uh i guess we'll see we'll just keep driving like we uh like we know we can and trust ourselves trust the car and you know if me and my dad and my brother we all work together like a team uh, the the wind should come pretty uh hot and heavy yeah we'll just say it 10 times out loud and then that's what happens right that's the yeah exactly <laughs> uh jeff i appreciate you coming on man that was great stuff um you heard it here first folks uh pdra look out because uh my man jeff taylor is coming your way um jeff good luck uh the rest of the season and uh safe travels my man thanks rex i appreciate it Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. And let's start on the best coast, um, the NHRA Division 7 Tucson Tucson Divisional. And you just heard from Jeff Taylor about this event. But uh, let's give you the recap here. In Top Sportsman, um, there were 10 cars, so not a huge field. um, But your number one qualifier was uh, Phil Unruh. He was Smoking at 652.9, he goes 219 miles an hour at that ET um, in his beautiful 18 Corvette with the twin turbos. Man, coming on strong with uh, with that ET. Um, and uh, so very fast on the top, Jeff Taylor gets in, um, and you heard him talk about uh, his event on the top sportsman and the top dragster side, but Jeff Taylor gets the win over Patrick Henry in the final when Henry goes 002 red. Um, could have been much different, as you heard from Jeff in the uh, final. Um, on the top dragster side, this was a full field. There were 34 cars. Your number one qualifier was Steve Will. He's from Fontana, or Fortana, California. He's got a 17 dragster. He goes 614 with a four at 231 miles an hour. Um, and uh, on the bump was Summer Richardson and Jeff Taylor. They both ran a 752.6. 
So uh, good for Jeff. He gets in there and then goes all the way to the final, as you heard. Um, He goes 007 in the final against Dustin Lee and leads him through for the win. So congrats again to the double uh, for Jeff Taylor, both in top sportsman and top dragster at the Tucson National. Um, Going east, we go to the Division Four. Sorry, Tucson Divisional. Wow. Um, let's go east and let's go to the NHRA Division Four Divisional at No Problem Raceway. This was their first event of the year in Division Four. The top sportsman side had 21 cars. In your number one qualifier, you've heard him on here before, Darian Bosch. He is a killer. Um, he takes that Haas car to number one spot, going 622 with a six. His 18 Camaro is gorgeous. Um, in this field, only had 21 cars, but there were 15 cars that were quicker than 690. So um, people stepped it up. It was a the great event that way. And our guy, Darian, goes from the number one qualifier to the winner's circle. He is dialed 642 in the final versus Cole Prejean, who is dialed a 709. Darian goes 006, dead on 2000 for a total eight package. So he goes 006. 642-2 for eight total, not giving Cole much uh, room there. And Cole was really good. He was 15 thou above for a 24-pack, but that is nothing doing for Darian's eight total for the win. So what a great weekend to start the season off for Darian Bosch. Nicely done on the top sportsman side. On the top dragster side, there were 31 cars. Your number one qualifier was Steve McDermott. You know him well. He's been on the show as well, and he's been working very hard, and he does it. He goes 6-10 with a zero for the number one spot. Um, And again, on the top dragster side, people were stepping it up. There were 10 cars that were running in the 16s. So very fast uh, class down there. But your winner is Jim Thorpe over Bob Button. When Button goes red, um, and Button took out your number one qualifier, Steve Dermott, in uh, round number three. So congrats to Jim Thorpe for getting that win. Congrats to Darian Bosch on his win and a great event at the Division Four Divisional at No Problem Raceway. Moving east again, we go to the Division Two event in Gainesville. That is the third event in the schedule for the Division Tours and uh, the affectionately called baby gators so on the top dragster or sorry top sportsman side there were 36 cars this was a great field your number one qualifier was brian laflam he comes from gilbert arizona brings his 67 mustang and he goes 624 9 at 231 miles an hour for the number one spot there were 19 cars in the sixes uh the bump was a 752 so it was it was a great field that way but your winner was Scott Underwood over Dylan Scott. Um, Dylan with the reaction time advantage, but had a little trouble down tra- track giving Scott Underwood the win. So congrats to Scott Underwood in Gainesville. On the top dragster side, there were 42 cars. People loaded up for this one, um, and your number one qualifier was Holden Reese from Raceland, Louisiana. He's brought out that new Danny Nelson car, and he goes 6'10 with a 9 at 231 miles an hour. There were 16 cars there in the teens, the 16, so, man, an extremely fast and up-front class there, and the bump was a 6'68.5, so 
great showing uh, from everyone in Gainesville on the top dragster side. And your winner uh, was Wayne Landry over Ross Larice and Wayne was great. I mean, he was 009, dead on one for a 10-pack. I mean, complete nails out of Wayne Landry. It's his first final round. It's his first Wally. Bam. Nicely done, Wayne, in the final. Man, that is tough, tough work. Um, Ross was really good. I mean, he was 001, 16 above, so a 17th out package. That's going to win you most days and had an absolute killer double a one in the final uh, just just too tough to get around wayne landry in the finals uh, so nicely done everyone there in gainesville then let's uh let's go a little bit uh south door to orlando and talk about the drag illustrated world door slammer nationals in orlando that was a great event put on by drag illustrated if you're a door car fan which i am that was fantastic. I mean, we had pro stock cars there. We had pro mod cars there. We had bracket racing, and they brought out the top sportsman cars, gave them 10 stacks to win. So what a great event that was. I mean, I think that one should catch on, and I hope is a an annual event uh, down in Orlando early in the year. There were 16 cars that lined up for this eighth-mile event. Uh, your number one qualifier was Carl Brunette. He's from Canada. He runs a 389 at 185. I mean, guys, girls, can we not beat out Canada for the uh, number one qualifier? I know Aaron Glasser made a trip down there. He had a good showing. Um, we kind of put the Canadian folks on back burner just a little bit. And Vonnie Mills goes trip zip dead on six thou in the final to claim the 10 stacks. Uh, Vonnie Mills with a great final round victory there. And, uh, you know, really a great event. I hope that catches on. But congrats to Vonnie Mills for winning the inaugural Drag Illustrated World Door Slammer Nationals Top Sportsman event. Uh, two weeks from now, guys, we will bring you the results of the NHRA national event in Gainesville, the official Gator Nationals. Um, they have both top sportsman and top dragster on the event down there. Uh, we'll also cover the NHRA Division Four event in Houston. That is the second event for Division Four, um, And that's in two weeks. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here for just a minute. Um, our next guest is a two-time Division Three Super Comp champion. Uh, she won in 2016 and again in 2018. Welcome to the show, Kimbra Fusting. What is up, Kimbra? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me on. No, glad to have you. Um, appreciate you doing this. Uh, we do not do a lot of super comp activity here, but I wanted to bring you on because uh, I, I have gotten to know you and your family a little bit and uh, just had a lot of fun with you guys. And so maybe you can take us back um, a little bit. Um, talk us through uh, how you got started in racing and um, how you got involved with all this stuff. Um, well, I am actually a uh, third generation racer. Um, both my grandpa and my dad raced, um, uh, back in the day. My dad did all, um, a lot of circle track racing. So he raced modifieds and things like that just at a local track. Um, and then when, um, so he got out of that when me and my brother were born. Um, and then they were trying to get Joey involved in something. And so my dad, um, came home and asked Joey if he wanted to do junior dragsters. And at the point, 
uh, Joey was like, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with it. And so I'm like, well, I'll do it. Um, and my mom's like, great. Like you're already in every sport possible. Like you need another thing to do. But, um, so we started that. And then after a year, Joey, Joey decided that he wanted to do it and we've been racing ever since. Yeah. Um, so, and you're, I know you, you're a pretty good athlete. Um, so you really took to drag racing pretty quickly. Um, and I know your brother as well, but answer me this. Who's the best racer in your family? Um, I wouldn't admit this to him, but I mean, I think Joey's better than I am. Um, I do like to give him a lot of crap sometimes and ask him how many championship wallies he has, but uh, for the, for the most part, yeah. Um, no, but I, I, I honestly believe that Joey is a better racer than me. Yeah. I, I say that in jest, as you know, cause Joey is a great racer, but uh, I just was curious how the uh, sibling rivalry worked around the house there. Oh, don't worry. We, uh, we remind each other a lot of what, <laughs> what we've accomplished. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, you run Super Comp, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your car and how long you've had it and, you know, kind of what uh, what you've done to it lately. Yeah, um, so I run a 2017 McIlvain uh, race car. Um, it's powered by a, a 555 big block Chevy um, that was built by Timmy Alotti, uh, who's now working out of um, Don's Auto Parts up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, and Jim Evans does our carburetors. Uh, alcohol stuff with Jim, is that right? Uh, we were alcohol. Um, now we have for this year we actually switched back over to gas. Okay, all right. Yeah, Jim. Jim does good stuff. So, uh, and he's always done my alcohol carbs. So I uh, just uh, was curious about that. And I know Dean builds a heck of a chassis. Um, you've had that what two years now? Is that right? Um, let's see, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. So I ran it three years now. Gotcha. Um, just getting it, uh, worked in then, but, uh, you, you've got good, um, you certainly have, um, a good piece there. Um, but, uh, tell me a little bit about what draws you to super comp as opposed to bracket racing. Cause you've got a piece that is versatile, right? You could bracket race, but I think you, you mostly have, uh, stayed pretty true to the super comp stuff, correct? I have, um, you know, I've raced bracket, you know, I've done a little bit of bracket racing. Um, I've don't enjoy it as much as the super comp stuff. Um, I mean, that's just me. Um, so, but for me, it was just kind of a natural step um, from juniors. Um, our family friends, uh, the Lamonts, uh, Pat Lamont was already running um, super comp with the Midwest super comp series. And he moved his son, Ryan, and up into super comp. And so it was just kind of easy for me to, to make that transition there. Yep. That, that makes sense. And, I think there's something too. Um, I I don't know if this is entirely true, but for me at least it is. There's something to the fact that there's no buybacks. So like you go up for first round, there is a a notable amount of anticipation in first round, right? As opposed right. to a bracket race where, yeah, we're still still warming up here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, I don't really like the the buyback concept. <laughs> right, right. You're a competitive person. That doesn't fly with you. Right. I get it. No. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, um, yeah, and you guys run Division Three, and then um, you also run uh, another Super Comp Association class up there as well? Um, Kate, I used to run with Midwest Super Comp. Um, since I, we started doing the division circuit, we don't run with them in, as much as we used to. Like if we have an off weekend or something that it lines up, we'll we'll race with them. But um, for the most part, we're just doing the division three circuit. Um, this year, we'll also be running Topeka um, and probably Earlville. So okay, yeah, um, 
and yeah, so look out um, if you're in the Midwest in Division Three or those national events. Um, and I know you've got a little bit of chip on your shoulder coming in this year because your season did not end uh, like you would have wanted it to last year. Um, had it had a unfortunate incident. Um, would you Would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I mean, I would like to say that my season went out with a bang. Um, we had a little bit of an <laughs> un- unfortunate freak accident um, in the pit. Um, so it ended my season a couple days early, um, you know, and it, it, you know, it was disappointing. Um, I felt like we could have made a, made up some ground in the points after having kind of a, a frustrating year with, with some motor issues and things like that. But um, that situation could have been a whole lot worse. And I'm just happy to be um, able to move on from it um, and, you know, still healing a little bit, but um, I should be ready for the race season. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this year started. Yeah. I, I had um, kind of a similar thought, like it could have been so, so much worse. Um, and certainly you didn't, don't wish that on anybody. And um, everybody, you got a lot of help and prayers and, and made that work. And you're back to good, I think, for the most part. But but it could have been so much worse, um, your accident. And, um, you know, it just you kind of puts things in perspective. It I, does. Um, it really does. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're laying in the hospital bed for 10 days, it's, you know, all those little things that you worry about um, kind of go away and you kind of, you know, have a new appreciation. And um, it was definitely a humbling experience. Um, and, you know, I definitely want to thank everyone that, that reached out. Um, you know, they, Chad Lamont, Chad and Corey Lamont sent up, you know, set up a, a grub hub and like meal train thing for me. Um, Shanna Stone stayed in the hospital for seven days with me. Um, you know, all the division three racers that either reached out on Facebook or through text messages or, you know, sent cards and flowers and things like that. Like I, I can't tell you how appreciative I am of that and just going, going through that, that whole scenario and, um, and how much that helped. Yeah, it's, it is, um, uh, it's, it's really different. I think, um, drag racers are just different, um, in terms of when stuff like that happens, um, we really are a great community in terms of that. And, you know, I don't think that happens in any other, and I've, you've competed at high level at, um, different athletic events. I've competed at different athletic events at a high level and you just don't see it like you see it in the drag racing world. Oh, I totally agree with that. Um, and, and also I will tell you, or I think, um, you have told me in the past, so I'll let you tell it, but I think NHRA was very helpful. I mean, I think NHRA gets a bad rap sometimes in terms of, Hey, we, we kind of complain about, um, Hey, we've got a pretty big entry fee. The payout is not what we would see on the bracket racing side, but, um, they are, they do add some value. Um, would you agree with that? I mean, I would, um, you know, just from, you know, my situation, um, I know that the insurance side of it um, really helped me out. So, you know, you pay into this insurance policy through our memberships and through the entry fees and things like that. And um, you don't think about it, you know, and you might complain about the, the prices and things like that. But in the grand scheme of things, if something, you know, happens, like it's it's there. Um, and it, it covers both on track and in the pits. So, it yeah. was a nice. It was definitely a nice thing to have. Yeah. So I mean, if that same event um, accident happens in your pit and you're in a bracket race, you're on the hook for it. Whereas it happened at an NHRA sanctioned event, so there was some um, significant insurance that stepped up from the NHRA side. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's good. I, I think it's all good to keep that stuff in perspective because uh, we are wanting to complain a little bit sometimes. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's always uh, rightfully deserved. Right. I mean, we're, I mean, we all have our opinions and, and we'll complain about things, but um, yeah, I mean, can't complain about that. Right. Right. And, and you're <laughs> back to the nine to five now. Tell us a little bit about what you do day to day. I am. Um, so I'm an athletic trainer. Um, my title is coordinator of athletic training services. Um, so I oversee a region um, that has 11 different schools in it and 18 athletic trainers um, for a company called Athletico Physical Therapy. Um, so during, it, it, it's kind of a, a mix of both management and actually getting to cover. Um, I don't get on the sideline as much as I used to just because I'm kind of moved into this management role. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, uh, your your activity is very much needed, and um, you know I I used to compete quite a bit, and actually I need more help now than I did back in the day. You know, um, truth be yeah. told. But uh, yeah, that's exciting stuff. Uh, you're you're in the competition all the time, so that does not surprise me that you're such a killer on race day. Yeah, I definitely have uh, made a career out of competition. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. So um, now that uh, you're back at it and you're, um, you know, you you've set your sights on 2020. What is the what does the schedule look for, and what are your goals for this year? Um, I mean, we're definitely going to do the D3 circuit. Um, like I said earlier, along we're probably going to add Topeka and Earlville. Um, we'll always run the Joliet Nationals, um, and then we're also looking to get into the Bristol Nationals as long as uh, as long as we can, um, just with the amount of creating points that we have so um for me i mean i'm just going to take it one race at a time um you know i'm not 100 percent sure what it's going to feel like to be in the car yet um just because i haven't been able to do it um so taking it one race at a time and kind of seeing where the where the season leads us and you know hopefully we can get something going yeah i have no doubt that you will um and uh wish you the best of luck this this year and um you know glad to have you have you back out there uh getting after it Thank you, sir. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone this week, um, you're going to get an unsolicited uh, thought here from uh, your host. Um, But each week I look at the results from each event, and sometimes we see short fields uh, with less than 32 cars. Um, So sometimes there's not a bump spot, not all the time, but sometimes it happens. And I don't want to diverge into the convo about 32 versus 48 car fields. I'm talking about short fields specifically, um, you know, that could happen this year. And, like, not to get too alarmist, but the virus going around might get us. And with some economic pullbacks, um, you know, sometimes that curtails racing budgets, and rightfully so. Um, So I had this thought Um, And I want your feedback on it. Um, And I don't think it's ever been discussed before, but folks, I am a visionary. So when things like this come to my mind, they simply need to be taken seriously and discussed intelligently. So here it is. So I'm in Indianapolis. The Big Ten tournament is coming to town. I'm watching the players this morning uh, unload from their buses, and they're going to play in the college basketball Big Ten tournament to see who gets the – official qualifier to the NCA, um, and you know I'm a, a big hoops junkie. But uh, here's how they do it in the Big Ten. So there are 14 teams. They're going to play a tournament, 
in the top four seeds, they get double buys into the semifinals. So the lower seeds have to play more games to get to the championship game. That's just how it works. So if you've been good all season long, then you have to play less games in this tournament. Um, and, you know, as uh, some of you know, the Missouri Valley Tournament had a person play from the Valpo played in the playing game and they played in the championship game. It's possible. Uh, it's just not probable. And it got me thinking to this. Um, in the event that there are less than 32 cars, um, you know, what I don't like is I don't like having buys in the semifinal. You heard Jeff Taylor, and he it worked for him, and and uh, that is no skin off his back. He, he had a great event. But I don't like buys in the semis or buys anytime, truthfully, after the first round when you don't have to have it. Um, there, there should be some reward for people who qualify – at the very top of the ladder. Um, so take take this example. Let's say you have a 32-car field. Um, you have less than 32 cars show up, but more than, let's say, at 24. The event should qualify 24. The first eight qualifiers should get a buy. The next 16 qualify as is. Um, so the bump spot is the 24th position. That allows two things. One... Um, we have a bump spot to happen. So there is somebody who who doesn't make the field. And I think that's a good thing for our classes. I think competition is good. It drives us all. And it is so special about these classes in the fact that we have a bump spot. Um, it's, I don't know if it's the best, but it's one of the best parts of the class. And it also gives a bonus to those who light up the scoreboard and got in the top third of the field. So in this situation, if there were 25 cars that showed up for a 32-car event, the top eight get buys the first round, the next 16 qualify, and someone gets bumped. Um, you know, And I know that won't make sense to everyone, but to me it makes perfect sense, and I think this should be the law going forward. Um, it just – seems to me that a couple things it allows the bracket to remain its integrity it gives uh, a bonus to those people who have stepped up and really stood on it in qualifying and then it it makes the ladder go even on the way for the rest of the event so to me um you know the quarterfinals the semis and the final should be fan friendly as well and they should not have to be wondering why there was a buy in the semifinals. And so I think uh, it makes some good sense to allow the top qualifiers to get buys in the first round and keep the bracket even going forward. And all that came from the greatest time of year right now, which is uh, bracketology in full swing right now. So um, let me know what you think. You can reach out to me on the Fast Brackets facebook page you can hit me on at fast brackets on twitter you can always email me at fast brackets at outlook.com if you have a take pro or con on this on this idea i would love to hear it all right let's bring this thing back in let's glance over in the other lane take the stripe there it is that's the show guys and girls it is time to pull the shoots on episode number 37 because we got the wind light, of course. There it is. Of course we got the wind light, and of course we got Gloria for you. It's so good. It always inspires me. I'm telling you. It always. I always think back to those guys who were 
looked so confident, even though things had not gone well for them at the time. I love it. Um, hey, special thanks to our guest for coming on today, oh, Jeff yeah. Taylor, for coming back on and talking about his monster weekend. Uh, thank you to Kimber Fusting, my friend and super comp champion, for coming on and talking about her rebound that's about to take place. Um, please do me a favor, like and share the Facebook and Twitter pages. Make comments if you don't mind. We're going to get out of this Facebook jail just a little bit for taking some time off the winter. And get back uh, Fast Brackets Nation to the street credit deserves. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. drag racing man you are telling me we yes yes we need more betting on drag racing um you know what i, I you know i talked about this a little bit uh a couple i know i can make back. a fortune you're my in man i yes we need more not less betting on drag racing